Hello, and welcome to Canada Reads American Style. I'm Shauna. And I'm Rebecca. And as all of you know, Shauna and I have spent the last probably two years talking about Canadian literature and Canadian authors. However, I begged Shauna to let me branch out to speak to possibly the (laughs) hottest author to come out of the pandemic. We are pleased to welcome Andrew Cotter, the brains behind the Olive and Mabel viral videos, as well as the author of the wonderfully entertaining Olive, Mabel and Me, which, by the way, I have a signed UK first edition with Andrew on the cover. Welcome, Andrew. Hello there. Do you? Do you indeed have uh, that? Uh, you've gone to some lengths there then to, to get the UK edition. So I, I applaud you for that. And all of them, Mabel, thank you for that. Absolutely. And in fact, it was funny because obviously I started following you as everybody did, especially when the, after the first video came out. And I think the minute you posted that you had uh, they were you were taking pre-orders i immediately pre-ordered and i waited that that was a strange day rebecca that was um, because my publishers didn't know they had taken a bit of a gamble on on the whole thing and so when um they said could you put a tweet out um saying saying that you know the book's available for pre-order because they were trying to get pre-orders done online they were trying to get um, orders done online because we didn't know what was going to happen in terms of actually being able to shop in the real world um so yeah i put a tweet out and it, it went a bit mad i'm glad you were one of the mad ones then so yeah uh, you're in a part of an elite club <laughs> i am and i and i actually as a book nerd i take that as, as a high compliment because absolutely uh, that's the way it's meant awesome well i love the book and i i hate to be a gusher but i'm gonna gush about it because i absolutely love the book not only because i'm a dog lover i've raised labs and goldens for service dogs i adopt old dogs at end of life etc mm. but i just love the book for so many reasons. But the first thing that kind of struck me as a dog mom is that you mentioned in the book that you don't refer to yourself as dad. <laughs> so I wondered if Olive and Mabel, like, do they know you by name then? I don't think they even know who I am, to be honest. I think, uh, no, they do. They they love me dearly. They would even, Olive would grudgingly admit it. Mabel would admit it quite openly and just fling herself at me and lie on my chest. But Olive would grudgingly admit that she does love me. So they don't, um, no, I don't know what they think of me as. Just the, I think most dogs think of their humans as the pack leader. Um, some dogs might actually be the leaders of the pack of the family. But no, I, th- those two dogs... Um, who I love dearly, they 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 love me, but I think they do, they do some somewhat respect me, uh, but they do see me just as the pack leader. I think I'm just the the largest dog in the family with the the, the deepest voice. So um, <laughs> although it's touch and go with all of her voices, uh, is pretty pretty gruff as well. So I, I I don't know. Yeah, they certainly don't think of me. As their dad, mind you, when Olive met her dad, she didn't think of her as uh, him as her dad either. I mean, uh, her, yeah. her dad was actually making overtures uh, towards her, which was uh, really quite inappropriate. But um, <laughs> like, strange things go on in the dog world, so it's fine. But no, no, I'm just, uh, I'm just their keeper and their their companion. <laughs> That's so funny. I had a I had a golden retriever, the first one we trained for to be a service dog, and I lost control of that dog from the get go. So I was never my husband was the top dog in the family to her, and I was beneath her. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. But well, it's yeah. nice to let well, it's nice to let your husband have that one moment of glory where he's the top <laughs> dog over uh, over a small furry object. That's about it. Really. That's exactly. It. Now I'm going to assume because of the nature of social media, which is sometimes or often a nightmare. 
nightmare um, that you get your fair share of social media criticism, like Olive and Mabel not wearing shoes, which you reference in the book, uh, even the fact that they mountain climb and what maybe they eat or don't eat. Because when I read other, I follow a lot of animals on social media and the the opinions of people who don't uh, take care of those animals is always amazing. So how do you manage that criticism? Firstly, I mean, in, uh, again, you know, and it does mention it in, in, in the book that in my former job and, well, still my current job and hopefully the f- my future job as well as a sports broadcaster, you do get criticism. You get it so quickly and readily. Oh. You know, you'll get 90% positive stuff, but there will be 10% people saying, well, you got that wrong. Or, I didn't like your commentary. I don't like you. I don't like your face. I don't like, I just don't like anything about you. So I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to send this message to you so you can read it and have a tear roll slowly down your cheek as you read this message that I've sent to you a total stranger, so here we are, enjoy. But <laughs> since the Olive and Mabel thing, it's just been, it's been, I mean, honestly, I mean, when I said there have been over the whole, over the last year, there have been around about 90,000, I mean, it must be between 80 and 90,000 messages coming back on Twitter. Wow. And I would say that a, fewer than 20 of them have been negative out of that number so when I use that example in the book I really had to look quite hard for examples of but there were just one or two people who said you shouldn't be doing this and actually I was doing a, a chat with a, a bookstore an online event in um, uh, in Texas recently and but there were people joining from all over the world and, and a couple of people asked questions and said you, you shouldn't be taking your dog so close to cliff edges and things like that and I said well I mean I, and I really do try and try and maintain the the sunny disposition and the cheerful friendly face but i feel like saying <laughs> honestly don't just don't bother because nobody cares more about the safety of my dogs yeah. than i do mm-hmm. but i'm not going to dogs are not there to be wrapped in cotton wool as humans aren't either they're there to live life and have adventures and but if i'm in the mountains with them and it's minus 15 or whatever i'm taking care of them and i'm looking out for them all the time and sometimes it might look dramatic. It might look as if we're on the edge of a precipice, but we're not really. And I would never, and and if we were near a cornice, you know, I would have them on leads. I, I say that in the book. I'm always very careful. It's what you have to do nowadays, isn't it? You say something and mm-hmm. you have to explicitly say, look, no one was in any danger here because you're just fearful of the blowback of people saying, oh, you're, you're, you're showing wanton disregard for their safety. So I know lots of people would say, look, I just let it wash over you it doesn't matter um but i'm very thin-skinned so i do let things get to me but again i'll stress during the olive and mabel thing there has been so little negative stuff which is just uh, astonishing on on social media that's uh, yeah that is actually amazing because i see so much so many other things that i just am horrified by and my sister tells me quit reading the comments i said yeah i probably should stop reading the comments and i never respond to anything like that at all but i just i feel bad for the people who you know are doing the best taking care of their their you know, companions and people just say stupid things but, yeah, but i have to yeah, so i'm sorry um, no, I was just going to say, I have to tell you that the photographs and the videos of you climbing in on the mountains with the, the dogs, those are just some of the most stunning videos and photographs. I just, they're so beautiful. That's a life that I miss immensely at the moment. I mean, the snow conditions in Scotland just now are really, really good. January has been fantastic, but we can't go anywhere. I'm, I don't live in Scotland. Mm-hmm. I live in England and have done for a long time, but Scotland's still my home and I go back up there whenever I can. But you can't travel in the UK at the moment and you're not allowed to... You know, it would be great if I were able to, you know, and socially, it would be as socially distanced as possible. Me, get in the car, drive for four hours, get into 
the the hills and just um, escape for a while. But it's not allowed, so don't do it. Um, okay. But it's hard because that's my that really is my escape and my release valve for all the sort of tension you feel and stress you feel in the world at the moment. And there is a lot of it. I I. I can cope with 30 days of that if I then have one day of bounding through the snow with my two dogs who are enjoying it as much as I am. Then you get back in the car and come back and you can cope with anything for a, you know, for a few weeks. And um, we, we don't have that at the moment. And it's, it's difficult. But um, yeah, I do find myself flicking through some videos and photos and torturing myself with the great days we've had in the past. But we're lucky to have had those days and I've got those memories um, to dig out now and again. But I want to make some new memories pretty quickly. Oh yeah, and I I love the uh, when you put the GoPro on the dogs, and then I think I think it was Mabel specifically like running and just I I, I mean all the videos are just fantastic. I just really enjoy them. Yeah, all. I, I don't want to give a, sh- a massive shout out to GoPro, but their latest cameras have got the stabilization technique because I used to put a GoPro on Olive and they would have her bouncing around in the mountains, and it was unwatchable because the camera is shuggling about so much and going from side to side. Mm-hmm. But now you put them on, and you film it, and it's you, you're like a little jockey, right? Riding along yeah. on the back of Mabel <laughs> on the beach where she's sprinting and catching a ball and wheeling around yeah. in the sun and then then bounding into the surf and coming out of the waves and it's just yeah it's, uh, it's I mean technology is uh, it's terrifying at times but it's also amazing <laughs> yeah well the other thing I wanted to ask kind of a, a social media question is is whether or not you found your relationship has changed because I wonder Sean and I you know we don't get that I mean we're doing well in terms of our podcast, we get a lot of downloads and we're really excited about that and we sort of track it. Um, But I wonder, does it make you more aware of the statistics like, uh uh-oh, people used to really like it, now they don't and I'm not getting as much reaction? Does it kind of start to play with your mind? Yeah, and it's a terrible thing to admit as well because you don't Mm -hmm. want to be that person. But you can't help, when you've had something that's been very, very successful um, and you see millions upon millions of views, then you think that was my great fear about carrying on doing the videos because you kind of, you fear that you'll do a video and seven people will watch them and most of the members of your family just feeling pity for you. So there's always that sort of concern that they wouldn't be successful. Thankfully, they have continued to be pretty successful. But but yeah, you do. It's it's terrible. It's but. Again, you you know, I talk about this a little bit in the book. It's that that dopamine hit that you get when you mm-hmm. get appreciation for something, and everybody gets that, no matter how grounded and well centered they say they are. If anybody gets praise or somebody saying, "Oh, I love this video. I love this thing you did. I love this song. I love this play. I love this book," of course that makes you feel good about yourself. So you want to sort of um, repeat that. So yes, you do go chasing it a little bit, and you do look at the figures. Um, but I think what I try and do is is make sure that if I put out a video that makes me laugh and or or makes me think, oh, that's you know that's quite good. It's it's got a, a charm to it, or it's quite entertaining. Then that's the most not the most important thing, but it it kind of inures you to all the uh, any sort of criticism or lack of interest that it might have because you know yourself that it's actually quite good. And if you've entertained yourself, you've you've at least achieved something. Yeah. Now, mentioning your videos, do you have a favorite to date that you just, that, of all of the ones you've done so far, a favorite? If there's one that I would watch again, it's it's one that some people really appreciated it, but it didn't get the mass views, is is the mockumentary, the behind-the-scenes documentary <gasps> we made, which is, is my I favorite. loved that. I love that one. Oh, my gosh. It just, it just it took, <laughs> it took so long to make. And it was sort of... I felt you, I felt for a moment as if you were making a little bit of a film, you know. It's, so it's, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, 
the, the weird thing about it is there have been some, like Mabel who's stolen Olive's cloth bone in the garden, or the two of them just running into a pond and I'm doing some Olympic opening ceremony style commentary over them. Those took 30 seconds to make, or they took mm-hmm. as long as it took to film them to make, and they get, you know, they get over a million views, and it got a similar number to the the documentary, but that documentary took, um, mockumentary I should say, took, you know, a full two weeks and, you know, you purchase the license for the music and then you end up, it just, it just took a huge amount of time to put together, but it was, it was, I felt probably my most, uh, creative one. Although having said that, the Zoom meeting is, is, um, <laughs> is, is, is good fun. I love the online dating one as well. I like the mock uh, perfume ad we made a, a few weeks yeah. ago before Christmas. So uh, there's some I've really, really enjoyed. There's some I've thought, but every single one of them has hopefully, in my mind, been above a standard. I thought, yeah, I'm happy for that to go out because I have made a couple of videos that I've thought, no, I'm not, I'm not happy with that. So they've just died inside my phone somewhere. So um, there are there are unseen. It's like the it's like the unreleased tracks that people find. Oh, they found a Beatles track from 1965 <laughs> that was never released. Well, there's a reason for that. It was rubbish. So, you know, don't put it out. That's why the, that's why tracks are unreleased. They didn't make the cut. So I've got um, yeah, I've got a couple of unreleased videos that will never see the light of day. Oh, that's too bad because those of us who are huge fans, we would love it. No matter how much rubbish you think they are, we would we would love them all. I'm pretty sure. So, do you know what? I, I, do you know what the one I, the one I fear most on, on? You were talking about the feedback that you get, and the the, the sort of medium that I I've, I not fear it, but you see it most starkly is on YouTube, because I've put it out on YouTube, and people have subscribed solely for these Olive and Mabel videos, mm-hmm. and they get a notification, a new video comes up, and I'm I'm waiting for. I think there has been one comment over the 16 videos I think that are on YouTube of somebody saying, "No, this isn't this isn't that good." <laughs> and I remember that comment. You know, there have been again, you know, 10,000 comments saying, "Love this," you know, whatever. But I, I am, a, I am that kind of negative person that I will dwell on that. Um, I toss and turn at night, going, "Why did that guy? Why did he think it was?" There was like one person. So the book, similarly, this is terrible. I'm showing myself up to be an awful person. <laughs> But the book similarly has had wonderful reviews and you, you, I, I love to see that because I put a lot of time and effort into it. And there was one person um, on a website said, I found this really boring. And that's all I can think about. All I can think about is that one, despite the fact that there are hundreds of people saying, I love this, I laughed out loud, I cried, whatever it might be. There's one person said, I found this really boring. And that might just be because they, it just wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Or I don't know. But anyway, so there we are. That's what keeps me awake at night. Yeah, well, it's just human nature because I think we all do that. But, oh, my gosh, that is pretty funny. And I have to say my mom is uh, 80, I don't know, 84, 85 or whatever. Sorry, mom. But anyway, uh, I always, as soon as the videos come out, I show them to her. And we've just enjoyed them so much together. And I've watched them repeatedly because I just love them so much. And, I, yeah, the, the online dating one, uh, the, the, the Zoom or the virtual meeting, that one was hilarious because we're all – feeling that uh now exactly. that we all have you've to, got to sort that of, way you've got to sort of try and capture something of not just of the of the zeitgeist and whatever we're all going through just now but just capture something of the the way we live our lives and 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 you know point out the sort of sometimes absurdity of the things we do and you know as it's, i mean whether it be as i say uh, these strange perfume ads that come out every december or the <laughs> online dating or you know being just halloween work whatever it might be or scams online scams that one went down really well because it's got mabel's sort of naive innocence and and olive is a bit of a, a schemer so just like you know it's it's like any sort of uh, um i don't know what to call it as 
a highbrow as any sort of art or comedy or whatever. It's it's pointing out, it's a sort of observing life and then, then somehow putting two Labradors into it. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know if you've seen this. Have you have you seen these dogs that they've got these buttons now? The dogs can touch tap on the buttons and they actually are speaking. No. Okay. (laughs) Well, no, it's really fascinating because the university of California, I think it, and I think in San Diego is doing a study because Barclay would be better. I know it's Barclay. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But um, anyway, but the people who have the buttons, they actually record their voice saying it. So the dogs are actually putting, they're actually stringing words together. And it's really fascinating because I thought about doing it for my own. I have a Basenji. It's a a rescue Basenji. And he's really hard to figure out. I've never had a dog breed that I didn't understand like with this one. And I thought it would be nice just to know when does he want to eat? Because he's not like a lab where if you put it down, they inhale it. And so I'm always kind of confused. But I wondered if that would be ever anything you would be interested in with Olive and Mabel to have them sort of speak in that way. I don't understand them. First of all, how does that work? I don't know. Oh, there's I'll have to, I'll, seriously, I'll send you a link to it because they, the, the study is really fascinating and they're just these buttons on the floor. And then when the dog pushes on the button, it actually says the word. So the dog will say like outside. So you'll, the dog will tell you when he wants to go outside. You know, this sounds exactly like there was an episode of The Simpsons where Homer Simpson's <laughs> long lost brother, Herb, who had lost all his money because of Homer, bounced back by creating a baby translator. And uh, that was it. So this is what this is. But I thought that technology couldn't work. And I'm I'm skeptical about this technology now. <laughs> I like the idea that we spend all of our time just going, what do what do you what do you want? All of today was just padding around, and um, just whining, just just whining. She looked at the sofa and she whined. I think she wanted up on the sofa. She'd just been out and she was soaking wet, so we weren't looking it up, being strict for once. But then then she wandered over and looked at some snacks and whined, and then she just wandered outside into the hallway and whined out there as if she wanted out. So I think she was just saying, I just want stuff. I want yeah. stuff just now, and I can't understand why you people aren't giving me stuff. And it actually makes me quite cross. So it was just a general, a general whining. There should be a button for that. That, but the, the noise that comes out of the dog is just look. I want stuff. I, well, I'm not sure exactly what I want, but I know that I want stuff. Well, one of the buttons, it's really funny, the one dog I follow that's in the study, one of the buttons is concerned. So I swear to God, when the dog hits the button that says concerned, it just makes me laugh every time because I know that the dog doesn't literally know what concerned means, but no. just that the humans have assigned whatever this feeling is that the yeah. dog has. I just think but it's hilarious. It's just but... a vague concern. It's not like they're <laughs> furrowing their brow going, I can't believe the way the world's heading. I'm about global warming. It's just concerned that I'm not getting given things that I want. And I don't even know what it is that I want, but I just want something. Come on, help me Exactly. Out oh, my God. I will send you the link so you can see it because it is actually kind of I'm interesting. I'm going to investigate that. There you go. Um, now, I wonder only because, again, I have this Basenji who is has very, very high prey drive. And I have a, you know, a fenced yard and I have skunks. And I wonder, I'm wondering if, because the girl, your girls have rolled in a lot of nasty yeah, things. Yeah. And I wondered if they've ever been skunked. No, we don't have skunks. We don't have <gasps> skunks in the UK. So we're a skunkless country. Oh, um, I'm moving so, there. Oh, my gosh. No, we had a uh, skunk and Nancy. They were a popular group of the 1990s. But no, we don't have <laughs> skunks at all. So they find other unpleasant wow. things to roll in. But I'm told that the smell of a skunk is just there's nothing quite as bad as it. So um, I'm glad that we don't have them over here. Yeah, and I've, my dog twice, uh, I've been in the house, This we just moved in, and we've been here a year, and he got skunked twice, and both times, I didn't realize it till he was in the house, and by then, it's too late, and yeah, it's it? horrible, right. but 
I'm moving there. The doors open for a few uh, days. Is that the? Oh, the it was winter. I, I didn't have a choice. And, yeah. and when I went to when I went to work, literally, I said to people, "I'm sorry, my dog got skunked," and they said, "Yeah, we know," because I smelled like a skunk too. So okay. anyway, and what's a, sorry? What's a high prey drive? I'm I'm guessing oh. that it's not it's not that they're deep and intense worshippers. It's that they, they look <laughs> to chase things. Yes. A lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. High yeah, yeah, prey yeah. drive. I'm going to write that down as a. That's a North American terminology. You guys are in Canada, right? Is that right? Well, we're actually in Michigan, uh, but we're we're American librarians who just love Canadian literature. It's kind of a weird thing, but yeah. But no, I will say that um, when I was reading the book, I thought to myself, there's no question that Olive and Mabel Mabel both have high prey drive, I think, because when you talk about like being on the mountain and then they see hares or something and then they go running for them. Yes. um, Yeah, yeah. I think your dogs have that. So So my mom's bull mastiff would have a very low prey drive. It's just because he would look at the prey and go, do you know what? I can't be bothered. I've, I've, got, to, I've got to shift 140 pounds here. I'm not going to bother. That prey is fine. It can go. I'm going to spare it. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. A couple other things. Um, I, I just want to mention that uh, for me, Mabel reminds me of my beloved Adina who passed uh, in 2013. But she was a yellow lab and she was a dog who had been in training to be a service dog but flunked because she ended up with kennel stress when she got into the kennels for advanced Whoa. training. But that it's all good because she came home to me and she was beautifully well trained. But she... Everyone who saw her eat said she was the fastest eater ever. And I just want to say that in the book you talk... And I, I, I actually really have great respect that you've kind of gone down this road. You you said you weren't really going to sort of monetize the dogs and have like t-shirts and everything. However, mm. if you did, I was going to get a t-shirt that said tasting absolutely nothing, which was what <laughs> my Adina did. She never actually, everything came, went in and came out looking the same, by the way. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, go ahead. There were, there were, well, there were some, I, that was a, that was a big thing. And actually now sport looks like shutting down again over here. So I'm going to be, I mean, I've, I, it's interesting. I've had, talking about um, all sorts of vulgar fiscal things, I've had about 10 days of sports broadcasting work since last mm-hmm. March. So if it hadn't wow. been for Olive and Mabel. So the temptation to do things like monetizing them and taking, there have been about a dozen or 14 dog food brands interested, but again, you turn them all down. And then there was definitely, there was a, a, um, a company got in touch and said, look, we can make t-shirts. You can have an Olive t-shirt or a Mabel t-shirt, or you can have slogans on them and there was there was de- there would definitely have been demand for i always tried to get into the first few videos a line that would that would stick and i i kind of knew as i said it that tasting absolutely nothing would <laughs> stick uh just as i knew in the archive sports commentary one that mind of a wolf body of a care bear would probably mm-hmm. catch on as well so mm-hmm. i could have seen t-shirts with those on them and i'm sure they would have been popular for the devotees of olive and mabel but Again, it's 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 weird. You can, you can you when videos go viral, you can just grab at everything that comes your way, and there was so much coming in. I mean, so much it was extraordinary. But again, I I wanted them to retain a sort of innocence, a sort of escape mm-hmm. from the escape from the the world that we live in, which is all about well, quite often all about the money and the success. And so I wanted them to be a total escape from that. So it's it's been tempting my. My iron will has bent at times, but I haven't, um, yeah, 
Um, well, let's see how we go with a few months more of uh, of no sports broadcasting. I'll be there yeah. wearing the t-shirt and the baseball cap, <laughs> pointing out a calendar on Instagram, going, "Hey guys, sign up to this this absolute crap because it's it's yours for nineteen ninety nine." Well, even if you have to go down that road, because I think you know the thing about the pandemic is it it's kind of it keeps going and there's all sorts of new things that are happening with it and stuff. So if you have to go that way, I'm still going to have great respect that you held out as long as you could so whichever direction you go um thank you I'll if everyone see if everyone had that attitude i'd be all over it say look guys i really did hold out a long long time <laughs> they don't know that i've stockpiled in a warehouse calendars and t-shirts <laughs> and baseball caps so and uh, no no i uh, yeah well, well we'll see how we go but i'm i'm i think i'll probably just uh keep it to i mean i suppose you know writing a book was monetizing it in a way but not not as overtly as you know doing the sort of merchandise thing yeah, no, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't see that at all the same. And one of the reasons I would say that is because, and kind of my sort of almost maybe last question is, you know, I, I love the book. I thought it was really wonderful. And of course, obviously, we all are going to buy it because that initial, oh my gosh, it's about Olive and Mabel and Andrew, et cetera. But I want to know if you're going to continue to write because at the end of the book, you said, you know, you're kind of at a crossroad. You're not quite sure what direction you want to go. And I really think, at least I would love more books. They don't even have to have maybe just a hint of Olive and Mabel, but more about your your climbing. Because I have to say, even when you did, you said something, I think about kind of that geeky geography or geology stuff you had at the beginning. I, I think a lot of us love that. And I want to, I've always been attracted to books about people who climb because it's something I'm never going to do, but I love to read about people yeah. who do it. And so I want more of that. So is yeah. there any chance we'll, well get listen, more of that? Yeah, I, I do. And I'm, I'm glad you do as well, but it's, uh, you're sort of narrowing the, the audience and then publishers say, no, we want it to be as broad mm. appeal as possible. But it's very interesting because I'm in conversations about a possible second um, uh, book at the moment and a, a couple of, people interested but but then um so so yes i would quite like to to write another one because i enjoy writing and it's encouraging to hear you say that it doesn't you know i've I've kind of done writing about a whole book about dogs type of thing i would like to write about my interests are not you know solely you know restricted to to dogs or to olive and mabel so you'd like to write about something else but write in the same sort of light observational whimsical style um and there might be a, you know an appearance from Oliver and Mabel in that book but uh but but who knows yeah you like to sort of write about life I, I mean if I could if I could um sort of follow anybody's style it would be it would be someone like Bill Bryson you know, I was he, just gonna say Bill Bryson yeah absolutely well, and, 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 and yeah. you know he was a travel writer and mm -hmm. he still is still a well, mm -hmm. although he's hung up his pen for now but you know that he's still a travel writer but he writes about any subject really and mm -hmm. it's just he observes life and all the silliness and strangeness of it and um so you don't have to necessarily just write about one topic so you know, if I, yeah, maybe that I should get a t-shirt with um, uh, Bill Bryson, but with dogs. On it. That's <laughs> exactly. My no, but it's funny that you should mention him because that's, I wasn't going to say his name, but that's exactly how I kind of thought of because I love, I absolutely, he's one of my favorites. And I, and mm. I were, used to work in a library in Sacramento, California, and we had him as a speaker. Oh. And I, it was funny when, when he was there, I, I had, I worship him so much that yeah. I thought, uh oh, when I meet him, I'm probably going to think he's kind of a jerk. You know, I don't, I don't know. And I was so happy to 
say that he was actually more charming and just so wonderful to hear him speak live. But I, I, it's that same kind of writing, which I absolutely love, which is that it's like, like you say, it's observational. It's about our lives and it's said in a way, and you have such a way with words. And I, I have to tell you the part about climbing Mount Fuji, that part really stood out for me that like, I want more of that because I swear reading that I've never been to Japan. I'm probably never going to climb Mount Fuji, but I'm reading it thinking, I could feel it. Like when you talked about walking on oh, that, nice, yeah. that ash and then just how your the lights, you know, when you yeah. were walking back down, you couldn't, you had to turn them off. Everything felt so visceral for me oh, reading you. it. Well, that, that, that day remains so sharp in my memory that, you know, I, I wanted to write about that because, but then it's interesting, a couple of negative comments again, which I dwell on. Someone <laughs> had written in a review um, in America said, um, I, you know, I really enjoyed the book, but wish he hadn't written about mountains. Uh, you know, it should be about dogs. I said, well, it's, uh, you know, you, I can't do every single chapter about dogs. It's nice to take a little break and actually go off and have a little diversion where it's, the original book was actually going to be called Olive Mabel, the Mountains and Me, which kind of takes up the whole cover, but it was going to be more mountainy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as the, the interest in the videos increased and just kept on going, we thought, right, okay, we can just do it just on the dogs. But we wanted to keep a slight mountainy theme to it. And that doesn't mean it has to be just for people who love the mountains. I think you can enjoy, hopefully, the descriptions and the escape into a world which you might not know anything about. But I, I I can feel and see that day on Fuji so clearly on this mm-hmm. amazing mountain on my own that I kind of wanted to describe that and bring it to people who might not have been there or might have been there and, and sort of remember their own their own experience of it. But it was um it just felt like the the right sort of flow because I was talking about being away from the dogs as well and it was in Japan in particular that I was missing them and so here's a little diversion while I go and climb Fuji and there's nothing wrong with taking a little break from constant Oliver and Mabel or dog stuff for one chapter to to tell this story. Yeah, it, well, for me, it gave me a taste of what more you could provide to us as readers. And I really hope, I'll keep my fingers crossed and, and hope that that will happen because I definitely want to read more of what you have. Well, to I'd love to write. do that. I mean, I really would love to do that. And I'm going to, uh, this this recording is obviously going to be kept and I'm going to be sending it to my publisher and saying, look, there we are. We've we've got one sale, so let's just, <laughs> let's just make the make the retail price fifty thousand pounds. There you go. <laughs> I'm we'll buy it. happy to do it. Absolutely, but I, I think you know they always say that when one person speaks for I think seven, so I think there's at least seven people out there that you could oh, you know we could divide that out. But yeah. no, I mean, but seriously, I really really hope that you uh, find the next chapter of your life uh, and that it gives you the fulfillment you're looking for in the in this although i have to laugh when you said 47 that's kind of like the midway point i'm half more than that listen i, I listen I, I i knew that but <laughs> i'm i'm I, I was told because i'd been on a podcast before it was a podcast about middle age and they had said do you know the definitive point of middle age is 47 i said i feel I mean, I don't feel physically 15, but mentally I do. Maybe not 15, let's just say 25 or something like that. But I, yeah. I think we always, all of us feel forever young uh, mm-hmm. mentally. Um, and we, we all look around and go, how did this happen? How did I get to this age? Whatever it might be, 50, 60, 70, 80. Yeah. I mean, this has just gone by in a flash. But 
Um, yeah, so I'm 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 still mentally quite quite young, but uh, I think I think that's a good thing. But uh, by God, it physically catches up with you. But yes, I would love to listen. I, I'm I'm definitely going to write something else, but it's okay. just deciding what it is going to be on. But um, yeah, Andrew Andrew and his cats called Derek and Stuart. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I don't have cats called Derek and Stuart, but maybe I should get them now. No, no, please don't. Just keep the dog. And then my last thing that I just want to ask is. When I read about the woman, Hazel, who has done all of those Monroes, yeah. my question is, when I retire in a couple of years, I'll be not quite, I'll be like 63. Am I, could I be doing that? Am you, I physically, could I, if I get in yeah, shape, yeah. could I do that, you think, at 63? You said, of course you could be doing that, absolutely. I know people who've, uh, who've climbed their final Monroes when they were getting up to 80, Um so yeah, absolutely, it's, it's possible. I would say though that it's interesting. The grass is always greener on the other side. I think, in particular, during the pandemic, when we haven't been able to travel, we look at faraway lands and think, oh, "I'd love to be there." I've looked at, um, I've looked at a lot at um, North America, USA, and Canada, and thought, "Oh, it'd be great to be in the wide open spaces and the mm-hmm. and the snow and the mountains or whatever it might be, and or the sunshine in the summer. I'd love to be over there because." The UK, I think when you're all shut down, the UK is a small country. England mm-hmm. in particular, as part of the UK, is is very, very busy and crowded. And you feel kind of claustrophobic and hemmed in. Whereas I, so I look across, I was looking at, this is a very strange thing, but I was looking, not for any reason of purchase, but I was looking at ranches in Montana the other day mm-hmm. on a real estate <laughs> website. I was thinking, look what you can look what, look how many acres you can buy for the the price you pay for a, a semi detached in in the UK. Oh, that's it. I'm going to become a rancher in maybe not Montana, <laughs> Wyoming. Let's go to Wyoming, and I can be on the fringes of Yellowstone and have the wide open spaces. And Olive and Mabel can can have their high prey drive for some elk or moose or something. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll get, get chased by a brown bear. Anyway, so there we are. Yeah, it's um, uh, yeah. You would enjoy climbing mountains, but the weather is certainly better over in the U.S. and Canada. So, um, but yeah, come over and come over and start. Okay, good. Because my sister and I, we have this dream to retire in Scotland. That's just kind of a silly dream uh, that we again, have. Again, I, I would say just be careful because you see a, a stylized, idealized version of Scotland in pictures. I see the pictures that I put on on I think, and the Scottish <laughs> Tourist Board puts out. So we've done that on the one day of good weather in the year in Scotland. We grew up in a cloud, basically. It's just, it's like, it, it's... It's a very, very wet and windy uh, country. It's beautiful when it all goes right, but um, you might not be seeing the whole picture. Well, I will, I will end with this. I have to say, I lived in California for 30 years, and I moved back to my home state of Michigan, and I, because winter and snow and crappy weather was my favorite. Yeah. So I think I, I think I might have a, a Scottish sensibility, possibly. Yeah. Now, winter Maybe. and snow is great. Crappy weather, though, is not great, and we have a lot of that as well. So. Yeah. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. We really, uh, your your beautiful dogs, Olive and Mabel, have just set the world in such a happy frame of mind during this pandemic, and we so appreciate that. Love the book. Looking forward to what comes next, and and I hope that uh, that happens sooner rather than later. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks. You can follow Andrew at Mr. Andrew Cotter on Instagram, and follow us at Canada Reads American Style. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. Bye.